this Sunday. We inherit covenant before we create covenant. I find the words of Reverend Dr. Rebecca Ann Parker gently staying with me these days as a reminder of things we inherit and the legacies we leave behind. As we reflect on the questions, what have we been given? What is the covenant we are already in? Another story comes to mind for me. I've shared this story with you before when I spoke to your congregation virtually in 2021. My family of five migrated to the US in 1998. 10 years later, after helping with a family business while going to high school and college, as did my brothers, we found out only four of us were given our citizenships. My middle brother was all of a sudden undocumented, given around 60 days to move out of the country. But he stayed to finish his undergrad education. A few months later, while driving, he was pulled over and arrested for being undocumented. When my brother was arrested as an undocumented person, he was transferred to a detention center in Youngstown, Ohio, many, many miles away from us. And my family lived in fear for the two weeks following because we had no idea what happened to him. We weren't able to communicate with him, and we were trying to find where he was. Once we found out where he was placed, we began planning regular road trips to Ohio, driving up from DC, picking up family in Virginia Beach, and then going to Ohio. One part of the story that I didn't share with you last time is something that I consider a powerful spiritual lesson. On one of our planned trips, my parents and I entered the detention center where my brother was being held. The correctional guards who had normally let my mother into the center wearing open-toed shoes had changed their policies without notification, so she wasn't allowed to go in wearing sandals. On that day, my panicked mother immediately got into our car, drove out of the detention center, she needed closed-toed shoes, but there were no stores to be found nearby. She decided to stop at a gas station where she saw a bunch of people sitting out front while I stayed in the car. She explained the situation and the people began to help by Googling where she could buy shoes on their cell phones. All of a sudden, joining the attempts of others, this tall black woman stood up, looked down at her shoes, and in a prophetic spirit took them off. She nudged them over to my mom, and my mom took her shoes off and nudged them over to her. Mom then walked back to the car in the shoes of this stranger, a half a size too big for her, and held onto the steering wheel with trembling hands to drive back to the detention center to be let in. Reflecting again on the words of Reverend Dr. Rebecca M. Parker, we inherit covenant before we create covenant. And her question, what have we been given? I can't help but think this stranger we met in Ohio 
moved into action, beholding an unspoken covenant that I only hope all of us could live up to when someone in need approaches us for shoes. This stranger didn't know our politics. She didn't know what religion we practiced or if we were humanists. She didn't ask for anything in return. She just simply acted on a covenant she inherited and invited us into it. A covenant that was full of grace, trust, and understanding. A covenant that understood our fear, brokenness, and our hopelessness. A covenant recognizing interconnectedness and inherent worth and dignity. Who wouldn't want to exist in a world where such a covenant binds us all? This was one of the many covenants I have inherited in my life before creating covenant with new communities and people I've met. The conversation around covenant making can be playful, tense, messy, joyful, vulnerable, complicated, and all of those things are normal. But I find sometimes people get stuck on making it perfect or creating a covenant where people have to live up to this ideal of perfectionism. And that's not what this is about. It's not about wordsmithing. We're not perfect people. We all have scars that we carry. We carry joys too, but at the same time, intersecting with that joy sometimes can be sorrow, fear, shame, or brokenness. A covenant needs to hold all the complexity we bring as humans into these spaces. When I think about the ways we hold ourselves accountable to covenant, I think of the metaphor of kintsugi. I learned kintsugi and the practice of wabi-sabi, which I'll explain in a minute, when I lived in Tokyo, Japan for two years. And the process often made me think of the ways we deal with our brokenness in life and the ways we mend the mistakes we make. During the pandemic, I began to practice kintsugi. The chalice I ordered online arrived broken in several places, which Amber showed you earlier. I decided to use kintsugi as a meditative practice to reflect on the ways we heal our wounds and renew our promises. The technique was developed accidentally when 15th century shogun Ashikaga Yoshimasa broke his favorite tea bowl he sent it to China to be repaired and was disappointed it came back stapled together. Andrea Montanavi tells us local craftsmen came up with a solution. They filled the cracks with a golden lacquer, making the bowl more unique and more valuable. The repair elevated the fallen bowl back to its place as Shogun's favorite and prompted a whole new art form. This method transforms the artifact into something new, making it more rare, beautiful, and storied than the original. Another author, Laura Casely, writes in her article, Broken Plates Get a New Meaning with Kintsugi, The Art of Finding Beauty in Flaws, that behind Kintsugi is a spiritual philosophy, wabi-sabi, or the embracing, embracement of imperfection. A much used, well-worn object, for example, 
is considered beautiful for its history and how useful it's been. The cracks signify an event in the life of this bowl, the way a scar or a laugh line might signify an event in a person's life. The cracks in a dish are considered something to celebrate, not something to hide. It reminds us that the things we think are flaws, like scars, blemishes, wrinkles, or other signs of our own wear and tear are actually signs of our unique growth and our stories. From Kintsugi, I learned we should all enter into creating covenants humbly, knowing we will make mistakes and we will break promises. Another author, Valerie Brown, writes in her book, Hope Leans Forward, Teachings from a Black Buddhist and Quaker, that what's not widely known is this type of practice, though Japanese, is also found in other cultures around the world, especially in indigenous cultures, such as the Navajo culture. In the Navajo culture, weavers deliberately weave an imperfection into what they are creating as a, as a way to leave a part of themselves into their woven creations. They believe this is an important imperfection where the spirit moves into the creation. Think of covenants like a broken chalice and think of the work of repairing covenant as gluing the pieces back together using intentional practice. Knowing you have to hold still for some time until the pieces stick together and can hold themselves up without support. That's what it's like entering into conversations after making a mistake and breaking a promise. Leaning into the difficult conversation, moving past the shame and fear that may be hindering us, and perhaps having someone there to help us to enter back into right relationship. We enter into conversation acknowledging the ways we broke a promise and hope to mend the relationship until it is able to hold itself together without support. After some time when the glue dries, we paint the cracks of the once broken chalice in gold, symbolizing the ways we renewed our promise and deepened our relationship. As a result, our covenant becomes more rare, beautiful, and storied than the original. This is spiritual and restorative work. Brown goes on to emphasize that to be in community is an act of vulnerability, to risk being misunderstood for the sake of understanding. To be vulnerable is to be permeable, porous to life, to our body and feelings and to others. Rather than standing apart and distant, we allow ourselves to be affected, to be open and to connect. Community asks that we risk breaking our heart open that we risk speaking and trusting. Brown speaks to how being in community means to be vulnerable enough to practice repairing harm and mistakes, to name difficult things, to be willing to engage in discomfort of knowing when you've caused harm and recommitting to repair. She also states that the heart of brokenness is not a weakness, but instead the vulnerability is something essentially essential in our communities. 
May we not just create covenants, but practice engaging them too. May we enter into engaging our covenants by taking risks and vulnerability. May we have the courage and willingness to commit to the alchemy and practice of, alchemy, of accountability. May we welcome our brokenness and our wholeness to the ways we engage. May we tenderly hold each other in the complexity and trust each other in the process and allow the covenant that holds us all to make us resilient as a community. May it be so, blessed be. Welcome to our Getting the Message segment where we dive further into the themes of the service. Uh, I'm really so excited for today's topic and I'm so excited to get to sit down with Sana Saeed, uh, who is part of our overall UA staff. I'll let, I'll let her tell you a little bit about all of that. Um, but I'm so excited to get to sit down after this really exciting message uh, that uh, felt really personally meaningful to me. And Sana, it was great to have you today. Could you tell little folks a little bit about like the role that you are in? Yes, I am Central East Region's uh, Congregational Life Staff. So that means I am a primary contact to help connect congregations to resources and be a listening ear when things come up. And um, I am a primary contact for your congregation. <laughs> so the beginner question that I always really like to start with, um, uh, especially for folks that are coming in as guests, is, you know, why why this message? Why was this topic meaningful to you? Why do you think it would be something that would maybe resonate with us? Why covenant? Yeah, I find myself really reflecting on covenant. Um in the work I do, um, you know, we are constantly learning of ways to be in relationship with each other and ways to make sure we're doing it in healthy, um, holistic ways. Um, so, you know, when sometimes we create covenants at the beginning of the year, or maybe we've created a covenant two or three years ago, and then we forget about it. But a covenant process is really about um, staying in relationship and fixing uh, relationships when we may not live up to our covenants, right? So I try, I try to preach on this and I try to bring this message to different congregations just as a way to lift up, um, staying in relationship, being accountable to each other and being willing to repair and heal uh, harm when the harm has been caused. So I know our kids especially are familiar with the term because like in most of our uh, religious education courses, we start the year with like establishing our covenant of what we're expecting uh, in the classroom. Uh, and that is something our young people are really used to. Um, but maybe some of our older folks, they, they you know, the adults of the congregation, so-called adults, um, maybe they don't quite um, know a lot about this term. Are there books that maybe you'd recommend that you drew from other resources that you'd recommend for folks who maybe want to learn a little bit more about like this idea of covenant? Yeah, there's a lot of really great resources on the UUA's website in the Leader Lab that we have. So I recommend you going to uua.org slash Leader Lab and you can search um, for covenant and there is a whole history of covenant making and where it comes from 
you know, this goes back to the very roots of our traditions, both Unitarians and Universalists. And um, even before that, you know, like Universalism uh, existed for thousands of years and um, in different man manifestations of it in different Eastern traditions, they still use covenanting as a way to um, stay in relationship. So there's a lot of really great history online. Uh, there's also the uuinstitute.org website that has courses on coming together to create covenant and spiritual communities. Some great places to start. I think you, you mentioned how this is part of the heritage. And as I was reading it, one of the things that really came to my mind was thinking about so I spent a, a good deal of time in the reform tradition, uh, which trying to trying to think about how to explain that to folks who have no familiarity with theology. Um, that is the folks that believe in like predestination and believe in um, rigid is really the best word. Like I'm trying to be generous to that that era of my life, but it was a, a very rigid theological system, and it's very much about like. Um, uh, like that God is all powerful and everything is, is that. And covenant was one of the huge topics that was actually talked about a lot in seminary for me and undergrad for me. And, but it was always in this context of like, sure, there might be like the covenant in the church, but that's only because God in like the covenant with the people. And so it was only this language ever of covenant as like divine to human and never really this idea of, of covenant as between people, which is just such a uh, a radically different idea to me. Like, and it's been so refreshing being in UU spaces and hearing covenant used in this positive way, uh, mm -hmm. where it had kind of this very like, you know, you're stuck on <laughs> being predestined whether you like it or not sort of connotation when I was uh, in that tradition growing up. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you wanna, uh, <laughs> there should be a question at the end of it. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, so, how do you see like the the I, the UU idea of covenant kind of maybe being like a little bit different um, than other traditions? I I think what I love about how covenant exists within UU communities is that it is not just between individual humans, but like communities. So it falls into that idea. I don't know if you've heard of like Paula Cole Jones and her ideas on communities of communities, right? Uh, and she alludes to like how we care for each other and be in relationship for our collective liberation. Um, and that's how I see covenant making in our communities. It's uh, about supporting each other's communities. It's about being accountable to each other. And it's about um, our vision for a collective beloved community that's liberated. Um, and the ways that we talk about it in Unitarian Universalism, I see it as a living document, right? So a lot of the things that Unitarian Universal Universalism is about incorporating transformation and change. It's constantly transforming to the ways our times are. And, um, and that was how it was meant to be. And covenant is like that too. It can't be something that you create five, 10 years ago and then just don't ever go back to and change. Uh, it should be revisited frequently. It should be updated if things need updating. You know, conversations around it should be occurring uh, as a congregation um, because it's uh, it's a healthy way to be uh, in relationship. 
Right. When even uh, as as an RE team, uh, you know, we have like our, our safe church stuff, safe church policies that we put in place around uh, our education. And that is partially because we're saying this is our covenant that we are saying that we are taking these steps to protect your kids and that that is a priority to us. And yeah, I think that, you know, it's 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 something that helps differentiate the kind of community you can have in a covenanted community versus just community where everything's kind of free to do whatever, everybody can hurt each other as much as possible. It means that, that yes, we can coexist with our very different viewpoints, our very different ways of doing things, our very different personalities, especially in the <laughs> UU congregations. Um, but that we have said we are responsible to each other and to making this a place that, that feels inclusive, like that, that is that right. is different than just community is that everything goes. Uh, that That isn't what we're about. It's about creating a place where all of us feel that we can belong and taking the steps that that means to create that. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and that we're willing to be vulnerable and build trust and, and that will help when we don't always live up to you know, what we're aspiring to live up to in terms of the promises we make to each other in covenants, right? I think that hard part really is about how do we uh, be vulnerable to admit that we've made a mistake and then be courageous enough to take the necessary steps to heal the relationship. Yeah, yeah that healing is so important. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for bringing this topic to our congregation and for bringing yourself. Uh, it was wonderful to, to have you join Fourth Universalist this week. So excited. Thank you. And please stay in touch if you need anything. I'm always around for all of you. And for those that are paying attention to the background, don't be afraid to sign up for a future General Assembly. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> make a small plug just to help Fourth Universalists live into its covenant with the wider UUA. Perfect. And yeah, see you in Pittsburgh if you'll be there. <laughs> Thanks so much to all of our listeners. <laughs>